0: Cancer Advances, a Cleveland Clinic podcast for medical professionals, exploring the latest innovative research and clinical advances in the field of oncology. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cancer Advances. I'm your host, Dr. Dale Shepard, a medical oncologist here at Cleveland Clinic, overseeing our toxic phase one and sarcoma programs. Today, I'm happy to be joined by Dr. Stephanie Valente, Medical Director of the Breast Program at Cleveland Clinic Fairview Hospital in the western region. She is here today to talk to us about lymphaticovenous bypass surgery and breast cancer. So welcome.
1: Thank you for having me Dr. Shepard.
0: Absolutely. So maybe to start uh, give us a little bit of a background. What's your role at Cleveland Clinic?
1: Sure. So I'm a breast surgical oncologist. So I uh, see in consultation and surgically treat women with a diagnosis of breast cancer.
0: Excellent. So today we're going to talk about lymphedema And this thing called lymphaticovenous bypass surgery. So tell us a little bit, what is that?
1: Sure. So um, in a woman who's diagnosed with breast cancer, part of uh, their surgical procedure to remove their breast cancer is also removing a few if not more of her lymph nodes in her axillary area to stage breast cancer and in some instances remove breast cancer that spread to the lymph nodes. So if we're just checking lymph nodes, the risk of getting permanent swelling in her arm after surgery is about 2 to 5% and that's over her lifetime. If we need to remove more lymph nodes, the risk goes up to about 30%. So, for these women who undergo surgical resection of their breast cancer, one of the biggest fears that they have besides cancer coming back is developing lymphedema. now, lymphedema is chronic swelling of the arm, even though they can undergo therapy and procedures. It really is a chronic debilitating um, morbidity as a result of breast cancer care
0: and you said something about you know like two to five percent lifetime risk, so is this something that most women would have? early or late? Or can people think they're kind of out of the woods and then it develops? What does that look like? Yeah,
1: that's a great question. So studies have shown that the risk of lymphedema is the greatest in the first three years after surgery. And it's it's a combination of factors. It's how many lymph nodes are removed, what type of surgery is done, whether or not that woman needs radiation afterwards. Um, and so, you know, after three years, about 25% of patients will have that lifetime risk.
0: And so we're going to talk about some things that You can work on surgically and procedures and things like that, but is there anything patients can do to either minimize their risk or what are the types of things they can do to 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 make their situation better,
1: right? So maintaining an overall healthy body weight um, is very important. So our um, body, you know, pe- back in the day, there used to be these myths about lymphedema, like you can't carry a purse on that side, you can't get blood pressure on that side, um, because those things would increase a woman's risk of getting lymphedema. And so what we find out is that actually the more Women use that arm as far as physical activity, the more it's actually helping prevent that. So we encourage early mobilization of that arm, maintaining a healthy body body weight, um, and just kind of getting back to normal and then screening for it. So I think that's really important. So after a woman undergoes surgery and before then, we get a baseline of kind of where the patient is. And at the Cleveland Clinic, we do a few things. So we use circumferential arm measurements, which kind of measure the at-risk arm to the uh, normal arm, and then follow that. And then we also use bioimpedance spectroscopy, which measures the extracellular fluid balance in in the affected arm. And so that way it's kind of like screening for a mammogram. So sometimes you can't feel the breast cancer, but you see it um, developing in the mammogram beforehand, and that's similar with lymphedema. So maybe you don't see it or feel it, but able to detect it at its earlier stages uh, where we can send a woman through what we call breast rehab and help prevent it from starting.
0: So who takes lead on follow-up? So is this part of the like our breast program and the breast center?
1: Yeah. So how it works um, is that when anybody who's diagnosed with breast cancer, when they come in to see the surgeon, they actually get a baseline measurement. Obviously, if they've had their lymph nodes removed, they're at a higher risk and we follow them a little bit more frequently. But yeah, follow-up continues throughout survivorship. Now, uh, there are techniques that we do in the operating room uh, when we know that we're going to be removing a lot more lymph nodes, so an axillary lymph node dissection, that we have teamed up with our plastic surgery colleagues to um, prevent, hopefully, the development of lymphedema.
0: And actually, there's a a previous episode of our Cancer Advances podcast where we talked to Dr. Schwartz about lymphedema. So if people want to go back and listen to that, they can can get some uh, information as well. But... When we talk about procedural sorts of things, tell us a little bit about what those procedures might be and when those occur.
1: So again, the goal for breast surgery is to remove the cancer, but also prevent um, obviously this morbidity of lymphedema. And so we do what's called lymphedema prevention surgery, and that's at the time of surgery. And so um, this is where we know that a woman's going to need an axillary lymph node dissection. And so the breast surgeon will inject a blue dye um, into the upper extremity of the woman's arm before we start surgery. And so that blue dye travels to the lymphatic channels that are draining the arm. So when I'm doing the axillary lymph node dissection, I'm able to identify those blue draining lymphatics. And during the lymph node dissection, I cut across those lymphatics because that's how I'm removing those lymph nodes. And so I identify those blue lymph nodes. If they're not in any area where I need to transect them, then I don't. Um, But if I do, I clip them and cut them. And I mark those for the plastic surgeon. So then when I'm done with my part of the surgery, I always tell patients, you know, the goal of surgery is when you wake up, you're cancer-free. So I do what I need to do to get them cancer-free. And then the plastic surgeon will come in and they'll take those small little lymphatic channels and they'll reanastomose those at the time of surgery to some of the small veins that I've left behind as well. I always tell patients, it's kind of like you're driving down the road and you hit a dead end street. That's kind of like those lymphatic channels just hitting against that clip in that lymphatic channel, whereas the bypass actually is kind of a bridge back to the highway. So it's going to redirect that lymphatic uh, flow so that it goes directly back into the vein so that the those women have a pathway for the lymphatic channels to flow and hopefully decrease the chance that they develop lymphedema.
0: So this is a, a, essentially a, a part of the initial surgery. This is something that's all done at the same time. Correct. Patient wakes up from the surgery and hopefully won't have problems because of that.
1: Yes. Yeah, so it adds about an extra hour onto their surgery. But um, studies here that we've done at the Cleveland Clinic shows that it decreases their risk of developing lymphedema by about 10%, which is a lot.
0: That is quite a bit. Now how commonplace are these procedures? Are these these things that are being done on a widespread basis? Are there types of procedures we're doing a little bit differently here?
1: Yeah, so we've been doing um, the lymphedema prevention surgery um, here at the Cleveland Clinic since 2016. Uh, nationally, the American Society of Breast Surgeons has recognized lymphedema is a significant problem in survivorship. And so really focusing efforts more recently on training surgeons about recognizing lymphedema, understanding its importance in survivorship, and then actually teaching surgeons this technique because it is not something that you learn in general surgery residency, except for if you're a general surgery resident here. Um, you know, but there are a few places across the country because it is an advanced surgical technique um, that is specialized training to learn how to, you know, look for the lymphatic channels. And then in our case, we do use our microvascular surgeons uh, to help with the anastomosis. So it is a team approach.
0: Now, you, you mentioned things that were factors like the number of lymph nodes that need to remove things like that. Who would be an ideal candidate? Give us an idea. So if someone might be listening, say, hey, I have a patient that that might, maybe I need to make sure they have a procedure like this. Right. Who would that be?
1: Yeah, and we do have patients who come specifically for this procedure. And so this is somebody who's diagnosed with breast cancer, who it is known at the time of their diagnosis of breast cancer that they have breast cancer that's metastasized to their lymph nodes. And so that procedure, the axillary lymph node dissection procedure, has been discussed with that patient already. Sometimes patients get chemotherapy before surgery with the hopes of um, shrinking the lymph nodes or killing the cancer from the lymph nodes so that they might not need such an aggressive axillary surgery. And if that's the case, we would just remove a few of the lymph nodes after chemotherapy. But because we do this so frequently at the Cleveland Clinic, um, if there is cancer that's in the lymph nodes after chemotherapy, we're able to add this surgery on. So say if we need to do the lymph node dissection, if we need to do more aggressive axillary surgery at the time of their surgery, then we're able to do this procedure because it is pretty common here.
0: What are the gaps? What are we missing at this point in terms of our ability to surgically minimize risk?
1: So, uh, you know, the, the question is, is and and in the research you say, gosh, do we need to remove all these lymph nodes? Do we need to continue doing such a morbid surgery? I mean, can can radiation alone um, help this? Do patients, you know, are removing all the lymph nodes, like the modified radical mastectomies, removing the chest wall? I mean, do we need to do this? And those are questions that are actually being answered right now in national research clinical trials. And so we don't have the answer to that. And so right now there are are many reasons that axillary lymph node dissection is indicated. And so as long as we're doing that procedure, we should be doing a preventative surgery um, along with it to help decrease the chance. But I could see in the future maybe not needing to do that, but we're not quite there yet.
0: So this is is more of a trying to prevent a problem from developing procedure. What's available for a patient who... Uh, may have missed out on an opportunity to have a a procedure like this, and they're two or three or five years out from their surgery, and they have problems with their arm, and are, are there things that are being worked on or things available now that are similar that can help these patients?
1: Yeah. So, and that might've been uh, what you and Dr. Schwartz talked upon before, but so lymphedema prevention surgery, again, decreases their risk by about 10%. So obviously there are some women who still ultimately develop lymphedema. And so we're studying, you know, why do certain women develop lymphedema and some women don't? Is there, um, is there a way that their lymphatic channels are made up? Is it their anatomy? Is it the dissection? Is it the treatment that they receive? And so we're continuing to study those things. But if a woman does develop lymphedema... Then they would go on to uh, meet with our plastic lymphedema surgeons and they actually assess these patients and they study their lymphatic channels they study their flow and they say, is there anything that they can offer from a surgical standpoint that would help reduce lymphedema? And so they do lymphovenous anastomosis in the forearm, maybe taking it out of the axilla if there's a lot of scar tissue in that area. Um, So they have a lot of different techniques that they can do. Again, we've also got a robust physical therapy and occupational therapy program here. So those therapists work specifically with our patients who've had this procedure or who are developing lymphedema, you know, to say, are there exercises that they can do at home? Is there a weight loss program that they need? Um, You know, what can these women actually do to decrease the swelling and, you know, kind of get them back to as normal as they can?
0: And then you had just mentioned something about radiation. If you're as a surgeon, you're there and you can kind of, you know, you know what you're taking out from a lymph node standpoint, you can try to intervene. Sounds like from a radiation standpoint, that would be difficult because you might be scarring down lymphatics and don't have a lot of control. So is there anything that can be done in a more preventive way? from a radiation standpoint.
1: Right. And so usually these women who have, um, right again in 2021, if you have lymph nodes that have cancer in them, the recommendation is going to be to receive radiation to prevent local recurrence. And so we know going into surgery that the, most, all of these women are going to be recommended to get radiation. And so, you know, the, the question is what does radiation do to our little microanastomosis? And so studies have shown that, um, you know, that, that they remain patent. Um, and so, you know, whether or not it's, you know, connecting these channels and they're able to stay. But again, it's another good area of research is, you know, exactly like how do these stay patent? How many lymphatic anastomosis do we need to do? Is it just, you know, is one good enough? Do we need to do three? Um, you know, kind of what that looks like. But we do know that radiation significantly causes scarring there. The other thought is, you know, can we build a radiation technique with, you know, the dosimetrists and the physicists to design radiation field that actually would exclude the lymphatic channels that have been reanast the most. And so we've been looking at that with our radiation oncologist as well.
0: You mentioned before about uh, patients being concerned about the consequence of surgeries and lymphedema. And and I guess the question is, you know, oftentimes like as a medical oncologist, I know people don't come to see me because they're afraid that of, of chemotherapy and side effects how do we educate docs that might be sending patients how do we educate patients about the fact that these techniques are available and and that that this may not be as much of a problem for them as uh, as they might anticipate how do how do we get the word out
1: like podcasts such as this. Oh, that's a good um, idea. So, I, I great idea. No, but I, I think it's just it's a it's a it's a national awareness. Um, recently, the American Society of Breast Surgeons put together a three hour webinar for all of the breast surgeons um, to discuss lymphedema, management of lymphedema, the myths of lymphedema, and similar topics like this. But, you know, webinars, education, because, again, it is really important, and it's not something that we learned in med school to really focus on, but we know that um, the focus is shifting, and so there's a a strong movement towards uh, looking at this now.
0: That's great. What other things are coming up? What else should we know about uh, these types of procedures and management of lymphedema?
1: So I think, you know, as we understand lymph nodes, um, I think that's really important is understanding, you know, the protective effect in the body. I mean, are we removing these helping or hurting patients? And, you know, is removing them or radiating them better? You know, which one is it? I mean, are we sclerosing the lymph nodes with radiation or removing them? Um, And if we can divert pathways. um, So, and again, just figuring out, why patients develop lymphedema. Is it the surgery? Is it the anatomy? Is it the surgeon, the radiation? So I think really kind of looking at all those different angles and then figuring out how to study. And we don't really have great tests. We use a lot of indocyanine green, um, maybe MRI, but the lymphatic channels are very small and have a lot of different pathways that they take. So as we understand the importance I me, mean, we always talk about arteries and veins in medical school and really. Don't talk too much about the lymphatic channels and pathways, but I think understanding those and how they play a role... Um, especially, you know, you're looking at immunotherapy and stuff like, how does that play a role in chemotherapy and um, breast cancer care? And, you know, again, as keeping or removing lymph nodes and lymphatic channels. So we actually are putting together one of our research topics on, you know, is doing this procedure actually oncologically safe. And so we've done close to um, 150 of these procedures and we've actually had no axillary recurrences. So we know that this procedure is safe.
0: Well, I appreciate all of your insight today. You're doing some uh, some good work that, you know, we, we do a great job controlling tumors, but then these survivorship issues are huge. For sure. And so I uh, appreciate all the, the work you're putting into that. Yeah, so.
1: so I mean, I would just say if, you know, as a physician or a patient, if you're, if you have someone who has signs or symptoms of lymphedema, it was interesting. I was at the grocery store um one day and, and the lady was helping me out and I couldn't help notice that her arm from her hand to her shoulder was wrapped in an ACE wrap bandage. And I just thought, gosh, how how inconvenient that would be for her to continue to wash her hands, especially during COVID and being wrapped. And so I couldn't help myself, but to ask her, um, you know, how she was getting treated and managed for lymphedema. And I did even refer the lady at the grocery store um, to see one of our plastic surgery colleagues, because I feel so strongly that there are options and that women should understand that they do have options and that they don't have to continue to live um, in the state that they're living in.
0: Well, thank you very much.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: This concludes this episode of Cancer Advances. You will find additional podcast episodes on our website, clevelandclinic.org slash canceradvancespodcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, you can access real-time updates from Cleveland Clinic's Cancer Center experts on our ConsultQD website at consultqd.clevelandclinic.org cancer. Thank you for listening. Please join us again soon.